Good to see everybody. I am glad you are here. If you are watching online, uh, hello. I'm glad you're with us. We have some people in our congregation who go to Florida for the winter, and uh, so we all hate you right now. Um, but they tell me before they go, we're going to be watching you online. And so they're still connected with us, and uh, I know I'm sure we have some others, too, that are just on the online right now. And uh, so hello to you. Um, a few things that I want to just kind of continue uh, to announce and get in front of us as we start a new year, uh, some things that we're doing and some opportunities. Uh, the first is what Josh announced uh, earlier. I just want to kind of continue to hammer this home because we have a goal of getting 24 groups by 24, and you're going to hear, continue to hear more about that as the year happens. Uh, so we have groups training, our group shepherd training, group leader training here in a couple weeks on the 21st at my house. Uh, there'll be some food along with that, so I invite you to that. You, you hear the impact that groups have on people. Um, and uh, so from, from Jay, you, you, heard about, you heard from Jay earlier, and so we just want to invite you, if you want to just, you want to shepherd some people and help people um, grow closer in the relationship with Christ, it's a great opportunity uh, to, to be a kind of, we're, we're trying to get away from the word leader because we just feel like it puts too much pressure on people, um, really more kind of a shepherd and really just host God, and that doesn't mean you have to have all the answers, um, and so we invite you to that, uh, that's in my house, um, and so we'll be scrambling to clean it up next week. Um, and then the second opportunity, and I actually, for, I, I got to do a better job of checking with my wife about things, and you're about to hear why here in a second. Um, but the women's retreat, sign up for it. Is there going to be somebody out here to sign up? So there'll be a lady out here to sign up. Either my wife or Linda will probably be out here. Uh, Emily, kind of raise your hand. Um, and they can help get you signed up. Here's what's really awesome about this. Uh, we have almost 70 ladies already signed up for the women's retreat. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, here, I got in trouble, though, after announcing this last week because I wasn't supposed to say it was going to be on prayer because they were afraid that no one would come. Uh, and I get that. Like, I do that sometimes. I don't tell people what it's going to be about <laughs> because, like, some people will back out. But it's going to be great. They're not going to, like, put you on the spot and, like, put you in all these awkward situations. Uh, so come to that. You'll be really glad you did. Uh, and it goes, I was excited about it because Emily and I didn't plan this series and the retreat together. Um, she actually told me, like, oh, did you know our prayer, our, our retreat was going to be on prayer, and you're doing this 21 days of prayer and fasting with the congregation and so um, I, I didn't know that. So I was excited about it, and, but I also got in trouble for it. So sign up if you would have gone, but when you heard, out, or when you heard it was on prayer, you kind of backed up, backed out, sign up for that. Uh, we are in what we call 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. We're not the only church that does this. A lot of churches around the country are doing this right now. Uh, and this week, um, I want to teach about fasting. Uh, fasting to a lot of us is kind of weird. It's maybe sensational. It's maybe kind of what... Uh, radical Christians do or only certain people do, uh, but in reality, uh, during Jesus' time, almost anybody searching after God or seeking after God or anybody who considered themselves a godly person fasted. It was part of their regular routine, it's part of what they did, and it's part of what people taught others on how to seek after and search after God. And in fact, Jesus' disciples uh, are having a conversation with Jesus and and they're like, why, why are we not fasting? And I want to show you this passage here, so follow along with me. Uh, Luke 5, 33 through 35, um, we see his disciples going like, what's going on, Jesus? Why aren't we doing this? So this is what uh, Jesus says to them, uh, or here's what they say to Jesus, and here's how Jesus responds. So one day, some people said to Jesus, John's, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly. So do the disciples of the Pharisees. 
why are your disciples always eating and drinking? Right? So Jesus' disciples, they're, they're partying it up. They're having a good time. And people are pressing Jesus like, what's going on here? And, and here's how Jesus responds. He says, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? And he says, of, of course not. Of course not. So let me back up here for one second. Some of you are asking, like, what in the world is fasting to begin with? Well, on its simplest level, fasting is denying yourself food or drink for a period of time. And so people are doing this, and they're seeking after, and they're searching after God, and people are asking, well, why, why aren't your disciples doing this? Why aren't people who are following, following you doing it? And Jesus basically tells them, well, and here's, by the way, if you're kind of struggling with whether or not Jesus thought he was God, he's saying, well, because the person that they're seeking after is here. Like, why would they fast when the groom is in front of them? when God is before them. And so he continues and he goes, but someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. And then they will fast. So there's this expectation for Jesus that when he's gone in physical form and the body that his followers will fast. And so when a lot of us think about fasting, we think about fasting in terms of really just kind of like suffering for Christ. We think, okay, now I'm going to not eat, I'm not going to get to do this or this or whatever. And you ask, like, is that the point, is just to, to suffer? <laughs> no. The point is not to suffer for Christ. The, the point is to eliminate some things from your life so that you can connect with him. And, and Jesus knows when he is not physically present, we're going to need some disciplines. We're going to need some things in our lives like prayer, and fasting to make sure that we are connecting with Jesus. And so he just says, when I'm, I'm present, when I'm with my disciples, they don't need to do it. But now that I'm not physically with them, they will. It will be something they do. Now, while Jesus was with his disciples, they didn't fast. But what's really interesting about Jesus and his own ministry and his own life is that he did fast. I, I don't know if you know that or not. And I'm going to look at the passage, or just really the front end of the passage, that introduces us to Jesus' fast and what went on. And, and that's what I'm going to use to kind of teach us this morning on why we fast and what fasting is. And so if you have your Bibles or want to look on the screens or your devices, however you read the text, uh, I'm going to be in Matthew 4, and verses 1 and 2 is going to be our outline this morning. So follow along with me. And here's what we're told. And this is Jesus before he's about to begin his ministry. He's about to launch his ministry here. And this is the first thing that he does. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So here's the first thing I, I want us to see here. is really simple. is that Jesus was led by the Spirit to fast. Now, all the cool kids these days um, are fasting, like, as kind of a trend. Um, I don't know, like, you, you health nuts. Um, I kind of keep up with different people and different things going on. I, I don't know if I'm a health nut because I eat, like, not good. Uh, my wife's looking like, yeah, you don't eat, like, good at all. But, but everybody's kind of, like, trying to, like, figure or, or, or re rediscovering 
the benefits of fasting right now in a physical sense. I, I guess, like, I looked it up, like, okay, what are all the benefits? And they, there's, like, eight or nine or ten things that benefits you when you fast. It speeds up your metabolism if you do it right. Um, I think it can even increase insulin levels, like, reparative uh, uh, systems within your body. Like, it does all of these sorts of things. And one of them even said, like, it has the ability to help prevent or repair, like, cancer cells. Um, so, like, fasting does everything for you, just in case you wanted to know. Like, this is all you got to do to, like, change your life from a physical standpoint is fast. But what we see here is that Jesus isn't fasting kind of as a life hack or health hack, but he is being led to fast for spiritual reasons. He's being led to fast by the Spirit of God. And as followers of Jesus, we need to approach fasting in this way. We approach fasting in the sense that God is leading us into a fast for a spiritual purpose. Uh, The the reason that he is wanting to do this is so that we can connect with him. So many of us are obsessed with the the physical, like how we look, how we feel, and all those sorts of things. And and so we get to the new year in a time like this, and we set these resolutions and these goals and all of these things, which, by the way, like I'm 100% for I'll be the first one to cheer you on. Like if you're trying to get in shape, eat right, or any of those sorts of things, just don't expect me to eat right with you at this point. But what we have here is not that. What we have here is Jesus trying to connect with his father. You see, one of the things that we often do, I think, in our culture and our society, uh, because we're right now, we're so obsessed with the physical, uh, a lot of us are at least, um, that we forget that we have a soul. Like, in the Bible, the word for soul, especially in the Old Testament, it's this, it's this word nefesh. And nefesh is translated basically two different ways, depending on the context. Uh, it means either life or soul. And, and so what, the, what, what is happening throughout the Bible when it's translated either life or soul, and you're trying to figure out, well, which one does it mean, is it's... it's, it's, it's um, uh, it's not difficult, but it's the same thing for a very simple reason. Like, all of you, who you are at the deepest possible level, like, you at your life, at your core, you are a living soul. You are a living being, which consists of the physical part of you, but at the deepest level, really, there's something inside of you. You have an inner life. You have thoughts, feelings, emotions, all of these sorts of things, which actually make you who you really are. If I were to ask you who you are, you're not going to say, well, I'm 5'9", 100 and whatever pounds, and uh, my 40 time is whatever, right? What you're going to tell me is you're going to tell me about yourself. Uh, Or at least I'm going to start prying into you about who you really are, like what you desire, what you like, what you don't like, all of these sorts of things. And I want to get to know you. I want to get to know your soul. I want to get to know all of you. And what is happening when we fast is that, is that God is pressing in, and we are pressing into God, trying to connect all of us with all of him. And so a fast is when we are trying to be fed by God, and we are trying to feed off of him, and be reminded that God is the one who sustains our life. Right? Not the physical food we eat, but our relationship with the Lord. So all throughout the Old Testament, you see people fasting. You see Moses fasting for 40 days and 40 nights before he receives the Ten Commandments. So he's going to have this experience with God. And by the way, we're told Moses meets face-to-face with God. And 
as he connects with God and as he prepares to hear from God, he decides to go on a fast up on the mountain and God appears to him. David fasts while mourning the death of Saul and his friend Jonathan. It's the way that he begins to deal with the hurt and the pain in his life. Not only that, David fasted later on in life after he had an affair. David's life is out of control. It's not where he thought it would be. He's gotten it to a point where um, it's destroying his own life and the people around him. And so what does he do? He fasts in a repentant way. David, or excuse me, Elijah fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. He's being pursued by people who want to kill him. This is a prophet who has been speaking on behalf of God. And because of that, uh, now people are coming after him and he's on the run. And he is used to hearing from God in a very clear way. And now he's in the wilderness himself. And he, he's, he's, he's fasting and he's praying and he's not hearing from God. But during his fast, God appears to him in a whisper in a different way than he had before. What about you ladies? You can fast too. Esther. Esther's family is under attack. Esther's people are about to be killed. She is given the responsibility to go before the king to save her people. Well, before she does that, she fasts. Anna is fasting in the temple, praying and fasting to meet God. And Jesus shows up to her. While she's praying and fasting, she met Jesus. Uh, fasting, very simply, is for the spiritually hungry. It's maybe even for those who are unsatisfied spiritually at the moment. Maybe some of you, you're seeking for meaning and purpose in life. You're feeling disconnected from God. You're longing for inner peace. You're questioning your beliefs, questioning your call, feeling empty. Maybe you're ex experiencing kind of a shift in priorities, and you're trying to figure that out. All of those may be nudges from the Spirit who's calling you into a time of fasting. So you need to pay attention to the, all of that. So Jesus is led by the Spirit to fast, but not only that, he's led into the wilderness. He's led into the wilderness to fast. And one of the things that I want you to see about this or think about this is that Jesus was with people, and now he's led away from people. He kind of lived in a, a town or a city. Now he's led away from that. And often what fasting calls us to do or even requires us to do is to think about kind of living a simpler life or leaving worldly comforts behind for at least a period of time to engage in the relationship with God. And so fasting involves simplicity. Now, we are not very simple people. Actually, I think a lot of us, like, we seek complexity in our lives at times, don't we? I mean, who, would, who honestly believes they live a simple life? Like, when people show up to your house, they ask you how you're doing, what's going on, you say, yeah, life is really simple right now. Right, anybody? <laughs> anybody? Well, fasting actually gives you an opportunity to do that. Because here's often what happens when we're not living simple lives or when our lives become really complex. Uh, our, we lack clarity like, in our lives. Like we, we, we lack the ability to hear what God is doing in our life or to see what God is even doing in other people's lives. So fasting sometimes requires us to slow down, pay attention to what God is doing or even wants to do in our own lives or in the lives of others. And so I'm going to invite my buddy Josh up here. I'm, he's going to be seeing a lot of him here in, in the recent days just because he's a discipleship guy now. Um, but he, uh, 
he's doing something, he and his wife, Emily, um, are gauging and kind of a simpli- simplification process probably in their own life. And so um, and it's going to like feel radical to some of us, but it, it, like thinking back 20 years ago, it seems so simple. So <laughs> I want you to kind of share what you guys are doing. Yeah, so Josh said I have about 30 minutes to share, so buckle up, okay? So, uh, no, uh, first, just for context for mine and my wife's um, life. So, um, we've been married probably about two and a half, three years. We have a one-year-old now. She's pregnant. We have our second one on the way. We're launching a business. We both work full-time jobs. Life is busy. Um, so, when I share this with you, it isn't that we're both unemployed or we both have a lot of spare time to do this. We don't. <laughs> and so, it's actually, to Josh's point, it's really inconvenient to do things like this. It makes life more difficult. But there's, so even just so far, we, we've started doing this since December 20th. And so it's coming up on a month. But it's, it's challenging. It really is. And so before I share what we've been doing, um, sort of what led us to this, we started praying and asking the Lord, like, sort of what our life looks like, what our season looks like. We have a one-year-old that's starting to, like, really be engaging and, like, starting to learn and things like that. And we started posing the question to ourselves, like, if our one-year-old Florence, if she were to ask, or if she were to see our lives and say, what does our life revolve around, what would she say? And um, the more we were honest with ourselves, um, the answer was screens. It was, it was our phones, it was television, it was things like that. And even though we said God, even though we, we are Christians and we do that, if you look at our practice and, like, our dedicated time towards the Lord or making space for the Lord, it wasn't there. Um, I'm sure a lot of us always, you know, when somebody asks how we're doing, we would just say, really busy. <laughs> like, life is busy right now. And so we didn't like that. We, we said we wanted to make space, and so we began looking at different options. So I'm going to show you this. Um, we got rid of our iPhones. You can't even see this back there, probably. Um, this is, uh, it's a really simple phone. We got, we, we got rid of our phones. We got rid of our TVs. We got rid of all screens in our household and made our household a place for people and for God. Um, it's... It sucks having this phone, in all honesty. It's miserable. I miss my iPhone. Um, Again, both me and my wife, we work full-time jobs, so we still have our iPhones, but now they stay at our offices. And they only work on a Wi-Fi, so they don't have a SIM card. And we still have computers, but now there's no TVs in our house. Our phones, we found that always when we were saying we're so busy, we actually weren't. It was just our default became screens, and so that all that extra time, instead of pursuing God and pursuing people, went to our own selfish desires of doing nothing. Um, yeah, and so since then, it's been about a, it's coming up on a month, and we've found that we have crazy amounts of extra time because all of a sudden we have decided to sacrifice something to make space for the Lord and for people. We're having more people at our house for dinners during the week. We're, we are spending more time actually playing on the floor with Florence. We are um, spending more time together playing board games, just talking, um, reading bi- the Bible together, praying together. I'm waking up early morning and spending 15 to 30 minutes in prayer before work, which before it would be I turn off my alarm and start scrolling. Or, or I put my alarm on before I go to bed and because it's the last thing in my hand, I start scrolling. Or we, we're eating dinner, so we flip on the TV and watch one turns into five episodes of something. And now it's like, oh, well, none of that's an option. We eat, and then it's like, oh, well, we have time. And so, um, yeah, it's been really hard because it, it's, it limits how we can work, how we can connect with people. I notice I don't text people as often anymore. Um, I just call them because it's way easier to call on this phone. But, um, <laughs> I mean, but, it, but it's allowing, it's sort of allowing me and my wife to become human again and allowing us to, 
um, make space in a way that's very inconvenient, but even in just the one month, we have found so much fruit in it. And so our commitment is for the year, so I wouldn't say do that, that's a lot. Um, but um, you'd be surprised at how much we tell ourselves, oh, we need these devices, or it's impossible to live without an iPhone or a smartphone, and it's like, it's really not, it's just really inconvenient. It's really hard, <laughs> but it's very possible. Um, you just have to choose to live inconveniently instead of living comfortably. So, yeah, yeah that's all I got. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you can clap on it if you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are some ideas. Different things, I'm sure, come to your mind when you think about, okay, how can I make more space to connect with the Lord? And even the people around me that the Lord has put in front of me. Maybe I'm not doing a good job with that, or maybe I'm spending too much time doing this or that. Uh, for us, um, my wife, years ago, what we did is we did something called the year of living with less. And so basically, we didn't buy anything that wasn't perishable that we didn't absolutely need. Um, and so Emily's like, hey, let's do that again this year. Um, so we'll see if we make that or not. Um, so like, if I rip a hole in my jeans, I get a new pair of jeans. But other than that, I don't get a new pair of jeans. Um, so you're going to see me in a lot of the same clothes or whatever. Uh, over the next year. Um, but, you know, so many of us, right, we just, we rely on those things for our, our comfort, our good, our happiness. And God is saying, hey, rely on me. Like, you're more than that. Uh, and Jesus actually teaches that in the Sermon on the Mount. And so those are things to think about as you, as you fast here. Uh, the third thing I want to show us, um, and, and kind of the, the last, like, big outline part of what I want to show you here, is that Jesus was tempted, tempted by the devil. It actually says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so what in the world is going on here? Like, why, why would God do this? And here's what's happening. Is Jesus, as he's going into the wilderness to pray and to fast here, he's actually identifying with God's people. Uh, for some of you Bible people, what you'll remember is that God's people, they were saved out of Egypt. They were slaves. They were saved out of Egypt, and where does God take them first? To the wilderness. Good. I heard it from some, some of y'all. Others of you, if you don't know, that's fine. Like, I'm, I'm teaching it right here. So they were, slaved, they were saved out of Egypt. They were taken to the wilderness, and they're there in the wilderness for how long? Forty years. And, and so, like, why, why would God take them out of the wilderness or out of slavery, like, save them to just place them in the wilderness for 40 years? And what's, what's crazy is the, the, the people didn't like this either. Like, they are yelling out to God, basically, like, why would you take us from this place where at least we were fed? At least, they were slaves, but at least we had some comforts there. Like, they, had, they, had, they were longing to go back to the wilderness. And so what is happening here as they're longing to do this, God has got them in the wilderness, and what is he trying to do in the wilderness as he gets them from Egypt to the wilderness is he's, he's trying to get Egypt out of them. Just because they were slaves and supposedly adversaries with the Egyptians didn't mean they hadn't taken on their customs. It didn't mean they weren't dependent on Egypt for their well-being and for their comfort and even for their joy to a certain extent. And so what fasting is doing here and what Jesus is displaying here as he is spending 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, is that we are not dependent on the same thing that Egypt is dependent on. We are not dependent on everything that the world is dependent on. The devil wants us to think that we are. Like, the devil wants us to think that our source of comfort, 
that our source of contentment, that our source of happiness is the same as everyone else's around us. The devil wants us to believe that we can come out of one thing and yet remain the same. And so what God is doing in the wilderness as he brings his people out of the wilderness, he's saying, you're not going to be like the Egyptians. I've got something new and I've got something different for you. And while in the wilderness, I'm going to work on getting that out of you. First, by claiming, letting you know that you belong to me. And what God does then, he gives them the Ten Commandments. He gives them the law. He says, you belong to me. Now here, come and follow me. And so what the devil will want you to do as he tempts you, he will tell you, no, you, you, you don't need to separate, separate. And you don't need to be different than anybody else. But you need to be comfortable being the same as everyone else. And so what fasting does, if we pay attention to it, and if we enter into it, it will actually show us different spiritual battles in our lives, like where our comfort, where our happiness, where our joy comes in, where we are like just everyone else, even people who aren't followers of Jesus, where we have taken on their, their comforts, their customs, their way of going about life. And so what we have, both in the wilderness and even as Jesus is fasting here, you see that both the devil and the spirit are present. Now, you would think only one of them can be present. So here's what fasting does. Fasting helps starve. Fasting helps starve the part of you that the devil is trying to tempt. And the Bible calls that the flesh. The Bible calls that the flesh. We, as Christians, we're trying to put the flesh to death. Like We not only need to be born of the spirit, but we need to walk in the spirit. And so in Galatians, Paul teaches, teaches this. He says, says this in Galatians 5. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are, on, they are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. And so what we see here is that there's the flesh and the Spirit, and they're adversaries. And your flesh is the part of you that drives you to distort the image of God to distort the truer part of yourself, to distort the part that corrupts who God has called you to be. Your flesh is what causes you to sin. And what the devil does is he shows up in your fasting or any other part of your life. What your fasting does is it, it, it can uh, elevate your awareness of what the devil is doing in your life. But the devil shows up and what he does is he tempts the flesh part of you. Like he, he, he tempts the part of you that is against God. And if you're a genuine follower of Christ, what you need to see is that you have still kind of a flesh part of you, but the, the, the spirit part of you wants to follow God as an in, in conflict with your flesh. And so this is why Paul is saying, like, don't do whatever you want. The want part of you is the part, the flesh is what he's talking about, the part of you that is against God. And then here's the thing, like if you're thinking about becoming a Christian or whatever, it doesn't mean that you don't have some of this like tension in your life because the Bible teaches that you have a conscience. And so what happens is that you have a conscience that you believe that there's right and wrong, that there's good, and some of you even believe that there's evil, and your conscience will basically show you that, hey, like, yeah, that's right or that's wrong. And here's what will happen to everyone, by the way, whether you follow Jesus or don't follow Jesus, every once in a while you will find yourself doing what you know is wrong. You will find yourself doing what you know is wrong. And what is happening? You're giving into your flesh. You're giving into your flesh. And so fasting is a spiritual discipline that feeds your soul 
and starves your flesh. Verse 18, it says this, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And basically what Paul is saying here is if you are walking in the Spirit, you are walking now in a power that is not your own. The Christian life is not posting the Ten Commandments and working hard to try to follow the Ten Commandments. The, the, the Christian life is giving your life over to the Spirit of God, is giving your life over to God, is being in relationship with God and following Him and loving Him and longing for Him and searching after Him. And fasting puts us in that position to be able to do that. So it's not trying hard. It's allowing the Spirit to work through us and in us and is submitting to the Spirit. And so we're not under the law, but we're under the Spirit and we're being led by the Spirit. And now, how do we know whether or not we're either winning or losing this battle? It's actually not difficult to see if the flesh is winning or if the Spirit is winning in our life. Paul goes on to say, he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. They're sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. And then like this next set that he talks about here, like if, if you don't deal with any of this, right, you are just a better person than I am. <laughs> I'll just tell you. And so this is why we, we call people to fast for seasons of their life. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies. And then he just says, like, things like these, like, right? Different things come to our mind that we struggle with and that our flesh calls us to. And here's what he says. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that, th- that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, there's a lot of actions here that we just, we just gravitate to because our, 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 our flesh wants to do them, and the devil tempts us to do that. But we have to take time to let the Spirit guide us. And so I told you Jesus is in the wilderness on, on purpose here. Jesus is in the wilderness, and the incredible thing about Jesus as he is there for 40 days and 40 nights is he did and he does what the Hebrew people were incapable of doing. He didn't give in to any temptation. The devil shows up and tempts Jesus with comfort, with wealth, and with power, and Jesus says no to all of that. And he leaves the wilderness unfazed by the devil's temptations and by his schemes as he's fasting, which for us reminds us that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the one who is the sacrifice for our sins. He is the blood that covers all of our sins. And he is worthy and capable of doing that. He has never sinned. He is the one we put our trust in. But not only that, is that Jesus shows us that we do not have to be stuck in our sins. That we do not have to give over to the flesh the discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, sexual immor- immorality, dissensions, fraction, factions, envy, all of these sorts of things are not things that we have to give ourselves to, that there is transforming power if we are led by the Spirit of God. And so what we do then when we enter into a time of prayer and fasting, when we put them together, we are giving ourselves to that, and we are allowing the Spirit to conquer that in our lives. And ultimately... There's fruit that can come from that when we enter into these seasons. So Galatians 5, 22 through 24, it tells us what these are. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then it says, against these things, there is no law. Like, there is no 
trying hard because we've given ourselves to the Spirit and being transformed by the Spirit. And he says, those who belong to uh, Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. In other words, like you've, you've, you've starved the flesh when you've given yourself over to the Spirit. And these are fruits that we, we should all desire. Like we should all desire to be more loving people. We should all desire more patience. We should all desire more kindness, more goodness, more self-control. And one of the things that fasting does when accompanied by prayer is, is it leads us in that. It, cru- it helps us to crucify the fret, flesh. Like a lot of us, we want this fruit. We want it. But we're not planting what needs to be planted for the fruit to grow. In other words, like you can't grow what you don't sow. And so we need to f- find ways as Christians to sow this into our lives. And so fasting helps us up, uproot the weeds in our lives when we take time. I mean, I, I can imagine right, Josh and Emily right now, just think about the headspace that you have when you sometimes allow yourselves to be alone with the Lord and not allow what's ever on your phones to fill that time up. I mean, I just tell you, like, I find people sometimes like, man, I need to call and, and repent to, or I need to call and check on, or I need to call and pray for. Think about the transforming work that God does in your life. I mean, how many of you even really know yourselves anymore? Right? Jen prayed that, that we'd know ourselves and reminded us that God knows us. Right? Fasting, sometimes when you eliminate things from your life, it allows you to get to know yourself and God at a greater level. And so I want to encourage you to think about adding fasting to your life because here's, here's how this passage ends. I want to show you how this passage ends. So Jesus is led into the spirit or in, into the wilderness by the spirit of God to be tempted by the devil. And he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And this is how the passage ends. It says, and he was hungry. Like, don't you love that? Uh, any of you who have fasted, you've been hungry. But here's what we know, is that Jesus was not hungry for God. He was not hungry for God. And maybe some of you are. Right? And what I want to encourage you to do is, if you are, find ways to fast. Like, commit to fasting for the next 14 days, or if you want to restart for 21 days, if you're crazy and want to find or commit to something for an entire year um, and you find it spiritually, spiritually nourishing and good, do it. Like, you can, and it's good for you. So as I uh, just end this message here, this is real simple here, I want to give you some ways to fast. I want to give you some ways to fast, four ways here um, that you can fast. The first is a complete fast. Now, this is like no food, um, or maybe certain drinks, you just you cut out everything but water and juice. Um, and, you know, if you're a relatively healthy person, you can go for a fairly long time, actually, with not eating food. Drink water. You'll be in trouble if you don't. Um, that's a complete fast. Fast everything um, and give yourself to the Lord during that. The second is a selective fast. In other words, you're going to select a uh, certain food or drink. You're cutting it out of your life. Um, Daniel fasted. Uh, from meats, sweets, and bread. Some of you thinking, like, I won't fast from vegetables. Um, <laughs> right? Probably not a good idea. Uh, but you can cut some things out of your life that you know is not good for you. Maybe, like, there's some things. I, 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 honestly, there's things that I put in my body every time I do. Like, my head is not clear. Um, 
And so, like, you can figure out a selective fast to, to do that with. Uh, third is a partial fast. So this may be, you might commit to fasting some meals. And so maybe breakfast, lunch, you eat in the evening with your dinner or friends or family or whatever that might be, or on certain days uh, you can fast. And so that's a partial fast. And this last um, one here, uh, I've heard some people call this a soul fast. Um, I'm kind of almost more inclined now to call it maybe a simplicity fast. Uh, but this connects you to maybe simplifying your life. Um, and so these are any things that you think that might not be helpful for your soul or your life at the moment. And so these could, could be TV, it could be podcasts, it could be YouTube, it could be an unhealthy habit, um, social media, an app that you use when you're bored. Basically, like anything that's shopping, like uh, the budgeters in the house going, yeah, amen. Um, you know, <laughs> anything that you can replace with prayer and meditation like you can just kind of eliminate that you know is not good for your life. I, Josh and Emily, like they're, they're seeing their daughter more now. Anything that might be keeping you from seeing the people that are important to you, um, uh, you, can, you can do that. Here's how we're ending, real simple. Um, is just, I'm, I'm inviting you into this. Uh, would love for you to give this a try. Um, and just see what God does, honestly. Like my, my challenge for you is just to try it and see if your relationship with God doesn't grow. Let's pray. Father, we, we come to you and we simply just want to connect with you. Um, I've tried to just keep everything really simple over the past several weeks. Um, and uh, at this point, at this time, I pray that you would call us lead us by your spirit uh, to just give up anything that we need to give up to help connect with you. Um, prayer and fasting is a time uh, to grow closer to you. As Josh even said, um, to become more human, to feed our soul. So help us, whether we fast or whatever we do in our life, um, to starve the flesh and to feed the spirit, to look more like you, to reflect more the image of God and to be who we were created to be. So we pray that you lead us in that at this time. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.